So today, with the instructions, we're continuing to uh, prioritize primarily um, the calming of the body and the mind and the being. And so doing this, using a practice that works for you to do that. Yeah, so we've introduced a few different practices. Hopefully you have some sense now of which ones are more accessible for you. And using that, whether that's, um, you know, just a mindfulness of breathing practice, if it's um, any of the practices to do with using the breath energy, the lengthening of the breath, uh, the breathing through different areas of the body, um, whether it's uh, working with body awareness, so the wide stretched body awareness, um, a body scan, if you're familiar with that, if it's a practice that you do, um, or the meta practice. So all of these, quite, you may have not realized we've been <laughs> doing so many. Um, all of these, any of these, can use as the primary practice that we're using to, to help calm the being, calm the body, calm the mind. And of course, also, um, sometimes, you know, we, we combine them. Yeah, so like we've been doing the wide body awareness with the breathing or the wide body awareness with the metta. Some people combine metta with breath. So, you know, there's all these possibilities um, to choose from. The main um, suggestion would be with each sitting, just like we do with a physical posture, is to decide which practice I'm going to do and then just, um, just be with that one for that, for that period of time as much as possible. And really remembering that all these, they're all different ways, they're all different um, angles or different techniques that help the calming and the gathering of the mind. And also really remembering that there's no hierarchy. So it's not like some of them are more advanced than others. Yeah, There's no um, hierarchy or preference. It's really about what is useful for you, what is useful for you, what works for you. And sometimes uh, with that in the practice, we, we, we might think we don't have that kind of attitude and then we, it suddenly comes up, you know, a sense of, oh, the practice that I'm doing is actually not, you know, that's not the advanced practice or that's not the best practice or that's not the... And if that comes up with a lot of gentleness and kindness towards that and just letting that voice just be not not believing it. There genuinely is no um, hierarchy in, in the, between the practices. If you're um, if you're working with the breath, if you're using the breath in some form, one thing that some sometimes happens so some people may have had that experience or you might have that experience um or not you know it's not a it's not a must but sometimes you might notice that the breath becomes uh, much more subtle yeah it can feel shorter uh, it can feel slower it can feel more subtle and if that's happening, then trying to lengthen the breath, doing the practice of the long breath, can feel quite clunky. 
It can feel um, artificial, you know, and kind of as if we're forcing something. So if that's what's going on, if there's that sense of that the lengthening of the breath is a, is a forcing and the short breath is actually feels um, not just habitual but actually um, appropriate, actually the right thing, then staying with that, yeah, staying with that. If that's what's going on in your practice, then listen to that and allow the breath to just be more subtle. Allow it to be more subtle, allow it to be more short if that's what it's doing. Um, you know, sometimes it can even feel like it's almost fading, it's almost disappearing. Yeah. Are you controlling the breath or noticing the breath? Noticing the breath. It's a really fine line with a, with a long breath. It's a really fine line because we're not, it's not like, um, you know, with some pranayama uh, techniques in yoga where we are actually really, um, in a way, kind of creating a certain breath. Yeah, we're, we're controlling, creating a certain type of breathing. With a long breath, it's, it's, it's more delicate than that. So we're inviting it and just seeing what happens if we stretch it. But it's a, it's a, it's a really fine line between the, the control and the, um, just noticing the breath as it is. So it's not quite one and it's not quite the other. It's somewhere in between to, to kind of play with and find. Um, which is tricky for us because it's you know we're used to this or that and it's it's somewhere in between. So play with that a little bit. Does that? Yeah. And then, but if it feels like that is a like I said, if it feels like the breath is naturally becoming more more subtle, more short, um, more delicate, and that that feels like real, you know, even inviting it to lengthen feels like a um, like artificial or, uh, dis- or even kind of not harmonious then just letting that go and just letting the breath be short with it emphasis being on noticing the effect that it has on the, the, the breathing as it is the effect that it has on the mind and the body if there's a calming or a, some degree of um, we hesitate to, to use these words pleasantness or comfort okayness with the breathing then, then that's the indication that um, that that's the that's the, the the thing to to allow and to go with. Uh, we're still keeping the the body awareness as, as wide as we can, as that is happening. And again, that's a play. It sometimes can be confusing. Um, I remember for myself starting this kind of practice and feeling like, well, how can I, you know, be stretched body awareness and the breathing it's as if I'm dividing my attention in two so that also can be a little bit of a balance and actually slowly or for some of us immediately <laughs> um, we kind of feel that it's possible to have the stretched body awareness and feel the breathing within that feel the breathing within that or the meta practice within that if we're if we're doing that combination does that make sense to people Yeah. So the the just one is um, the the practice that I'm doing um, for this period of time, and the wide body awareness in particular, or the kind of full body awareness, 
can play with it in different ways. It can be like a, um, it's like a, an underlying, pra- it's an underlying practice within which we, we can do, um, you know, the, the breathing, the long breath, uh, as we've been doing, or the breathing through different parts of the body, um, or also the metta practice. You know, all of these practices kind of really deepen if they're really embodied so the, the, the stretched body awareness is, um, can be a standalone. You know, you can just do that sometimes. You know, for some, sometimes it works really well on its own. But it can also be like a base on which, in, or for me, I feel like the right word is like you're creating a field of awareness, and then, which is in the whole body, and then the, the, um, the metta or, the, or the whatever breath we're doing is within that field. Yeah, does that make sense? Yeah. So it's yeah, it's it it can feel a little bit clunky sometimes to and even when we when we do find it, sometimes we we we, we lose the axis again and it's again like how do you know, how do I do it? Yeah. And and especially if we've been doing mindfulness practices for a while it can feel tricky. I remember even going to a very senior teacher and saying, I'm getting confused. I'd gotten the instructions from another teacher but the wide body awareness and then feeling the breath in that. I went to quite a senior, senior teacher and said, I'm getting confused. And he said, well, as far as I understand, you can't have your attention in two places at the same time. So, you know, it's, it is, um, yeah, it's kind of different views, different perspectives. So, yeah, just see, yeah, when you start getting a felt sense of it, of this. Um, and, and there can be also degrees with the body awareness. You know, sometimes it can be that we're actually using the breath as we've been doing, using the breath to spread the awareness through the body. So it's kind of the other way around that we do it. Or the metta also, we can use the metta to spread the awareness through the body. It's, uh, they work together. But yeah, the, the embodiment is really the, I think, the key to help us So that's that's the still the primary practice, um, all of that, and um, yeah, really remembering no hierarchy and any of these practices. You know, they all work and they all work well. And we'd also like to uh, to just add another little um, and not so little <laughs> a possibility to the practice today. So the invitation is to listen and to then, as we practice together uh, now this morning in this session, to, to, to experiment with this a little bit. And then if it feels like too much, then just um, file it for later, file it for a later time feels like too much but if it feels interesting then you can incorporate it also so another way of saying that is that we're continuing to kind of expand the container of of our being you know, i think nathan was speaking yesterday about this idea of the bigger container okay. creating a container container through the embodiment through the resource um, of the practices a container um through which we can meet our experience and also work with our experience as, as, it, as things arise. So we're continuing to expand the container and then we're also beginning to 
direct attention a little bit to specific aspects of our experience. And um, today I'd like to just um, introduce one, one aspect that we'll be bringing attention to a little bit or a lot. And so another way of saying this is that um, we're, we're opening, we're starting to bring in the insight practices. So, you know, we were speaking about samatha and insight in the opening talk, which I think everyone was very tired for. Um, but these two, um, two of the aspects of the practice we're doing, um, and insight or ways of looking practices, we're actually directing, looking at experience from a specific angle in order to understand more deeply and to be less hooked, less caught up in our habitual patterns and reactivity. And so the aspect of experience that we'll be kind of opening to or looking at today is the fact that any experience, yeah, any human experience that we have that arises is also felt, or is felt, on some level, usually fairly subtle level, as pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral. And this may sound kind of strange. And that's why the invitation is to to start looking at our own experience and seeing this. So any experience that we have, anything, you know, from the sound of my voice to the temperature in the room, to the thoughts that pass through the mind. On some level, they're being identified or um, labeled in the mind as pleasant, unpleasant, or what we call neutral, which is in between. It's not quite pleasant and not quite unpleasant. And the reason why we're bringing attention to this, the reason why this is interesting to, to start cultivating the, the sensitivity to, that, to this happening, yeah, is that there's a lot that um, is triggered by this very, very simple response or very, very simple kind of labeling of experience that is happening again on a very subtle level very, very subtle level, usually long before we're, we're conscious of it, long before we're conscious of it. And so, what do I mean? So when something is pleasant, and I was speaking about this a little bit last night, something is pleasant, we naturally reach out for it. Yeah, reach out for it or try to hold on to it if it's already within our reach. That's kind of one kind of immediate response to that or reaction. We want more and we don't want it to go away. When something is unpleasant, we tend to push it away in some way, want it to go away, reject it. And when we look at our experience in this way, we see that all of this, both these ways of responding are actually um, a form of struggle with our experience. Yeah, a form of struggle, either really struggling to 
maintain something, to hold on to something, or struggling against. When it's neither one or the other, the neutral, it actually doesn't have enough in it to kind of pull our interest or to engage us. And so that's often when we feel bored or we zone out or we fantasize because there's actually not enough in what is happening right now to to engage us. And the mind usually needs kind of stronger form of stimulus. And so that's when we, we zone out, we feel boredom which is then often then feels unpleasant, <laughs> it spirals over to that, uh, or we go into fantasy of some sort, distraction of some sort, yeah, to fill the gap. And all of that is typically unconscious, that's why we're, we're interested in it. And it typically happens without any awareness of that process. Yeah? But it leads, yeah, it, it leads to actually, the unfolding of our lives. Yeah. That very, very quick, subtle, unconscious process then results in you know, choices we make, actions we do, ways we live, you know, as individuals and as a society. So, when we cultivate both the interest and the sensitivity to notice this, and the Pali word for this... Um, very kind of subtle um, labeling of experience um, is Vedana. It's translated as feeling tone. Feeling tone. Um, yeah, sometimes the translations are a bit odd. But it's not feeling in the sense of emotion, but it's actually that tone, you know, calling it the tone of experience, you know, that we have, that something is, has a pleasant tone, an unpleasant tone, or a neutral tone. That's what it refers to. And so when we cultivate that sensitivity to actually notice, yes, Lizzie? What if you're so like, calm that you feel it feels neither pleasant or bad? Yeah. So then you get bored with it. Mm-hmm. But then you're meditating to get something that's boring you. Yeah. It's a good one. It's a good one. So the calmness itself begins to feel boring because there's not much going on mm-hmm. yeah and then what happens and then you dislike the calmness yeah. but you continue to meditate to get more calmness which you dislike mm. yeah you've had too much of it yeah yeah so it's really interesting so the thing with the feeling tone is that it it is um <coughs> so everything has a feeling tone so it moves it changes very, very quickly, yeah? Changes very, very quickly. So, you know, I'm meditating to get calm and calmness comes. And then the calmness, what you're describing is actually what I would probably um, think of as an imbalance between calmness and energy. So the calmness actually leads to a dullness because, the en- you know, the energy is... Um, there's not enough energy within the calmness to, to have some sense of um, aliveness or pleasantness or um, interest. And so then that, that becomes yeah, boring, neutral, boring, unpleasant. 
And your question is kind of, well, then what do I do? You know, because I'm continuing to meditate. All I'm doing is I'm um, getting more calm, which is already unpleasant and not what I want. So the question back would be, what could I do to bring more, uh, actually more energy, more energy, more interest into that? Yeah, more interest into that. So one way of doing that is um, when you're noticing, you know, there's, there's a calming and you notice that, you know, the calming going... It's calm, it's calm, it's calm, and it's actually a neutral kind of thing, and I can feel it going into the unpleasant. One way is actually staying with that, looking at the change in the, in the feeling tone. Yeah, that can bring itself more like, ah. And then that also shifts something. So that's one way. Another way would be, so right now there's a sense of calmness and that kind of, the calmness kind of getting dull, can I open out, look at my experience and find somewhere in my experience that actually feels pleasant or feels okay? So that's not exactly working with a feeling tone. That's a different approach of working with with, um, levels of energy and calmness. But actually looking, is there anywhere that feels pleasant right now? And you can do that either systematically, like scanning through the body, or you can look at specific areas, for example, the palms of the hands, bringing the awareness into palms of the hands and seeing, you know, what is the sensation there right now? Is there a pleasantness? Is there an okayness? Seeing what can bring in some um, level of energy and interest into that. Because otherwise it's like a sinking, you know, it's like the energy and the calm, they need to, they need to work together and be in balance. And we very naturally sh- shift to one or the other. You know, too much energy becomes restlessness without the calm, and too much calm becomes the dullness and the kind of dropping of energy, which becomes boredom or, or sleepiness. Yeah, some kind of... Mm. Yeah. Another really um, simple way is opening the eyes so that you have more light and more... So opening the eyes, not looking around necessarily, but just getting that more, uh, again, more energy coming in sometimes. Does that... Do do any of those sound like something you'd you'd be willing to play with? I'll give it a go. Yeah. But I have both the calm boredom and the restless energy. Yeah. Yeah. At the same time. Yeah. 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 Why don't you come in and talk to us this afternoon, to one of us one-on-one, and we can explore it more in kind of your specific thing. But in that case, I would, I would, I'll, con- I'll continue speaking about the feeling tone, and I would bring that in, uh, looking at this action, this Vedana, as, the, as what you're looking at within experience, and, and seeing how that changes, seeing how that changes. So... The one thing that Vedana does is that it allows us to stay at that level of experience without the escalation. Yeah, this is where it's really, really um, powerful, without the escalation. So if we stay with the neutral before it escalates into a boredom that I, you know, I can't stand, which turns into restlessness, yeah, or is kind of there together, you know, because things aren't that clear cut, yeah. Or, um, you know, I stay with the unpleasant. You know, sometimes um, I love the examples of just, you know, an itch or a tickle in the body. You know, it's not an acute pain. It's just an itch or a tickle. 
and yet we find, at least I find myself, you know, kind of like, uh, I want to brush it off, you know, I want to, I want to, but just staying with that unpleasant, it's just unpleasant, and really increases our capacity to stay at that contact without the escalation, without the escalation into the I need to move. You know, what if it's a spider about to bite me and I'll end up with this swollen thing on my face or whatever that, you know, it's, it's great to see. Also, we see the escalation of our mind and how, um, how funny it is a lot of the time. So, in a way, that this practice can really help simplify experience and it kind of gives us a, a foothold or a handhold within our actual experience within our actual experience. To stay with the experience and not escalate, not kind of run away with the, with the reactivity. So, Sometimes, as I was saying, you know, that noticing the Vedana can help us not escalate, yeah? We can stay at that very initial part of the process, not escalate into aversion or desire. Just stay there. And um, sometimes escalation has already happened, and we can bring the attention to the Vedana right there. Yeah, so there's already, escalation has already happened. You know, I've already, um, you know, caught up in this story about this knee pain um, creating a, a disability for the rest of my life or whatever it is. You know, I'm caught up in, in that story. There's already the escalation. And I can see the story running away in my mind you know, whatever it is, or, you know, the story about me becoming the best meditator that ever lived because I'm having a very pleasant meditation right now and, you know, teaching all these wonderful retreats, whatever it is. So there's the story, the papancha, we call it, the train of thought that's going off. We notice that and then we just check in. What's the Vedana of this as a way of grounding? What's the Vedana of this? What does it actually feel like? And, for example, even this you know, seemingly positive thing, daydreaming, whatever, if we actually check what the Vedana is, it can actually be unpleasant. It can be surprising. Yeah, so it can be a kind of uh, get-out-of-jail card in the Monopoly game of life. Yeah? It brings us back, brings us back, and takes out a lot of the um, fuel from our our unhelpful habits, our unhelpful reactivity. And we can also notice, and this is another kind of thing that it really opens up, that we can notice that the same thing can have a different Vedana at different times. Yeah, again, eating a meal is a great example of that. You know, just one mouth, mouthful 
Yeah, we start off chewing, and there's you know maybe a lot of different flavors, and the vedana will be uh, pleasant. And as we continue chewing that same mouthful, because we need to continue chewing it, the flavors will become more and more subtle. The vedana will become more and more neutral, and eventually, if we keep chewing, you know, really well the way we're supposed to, we end up with just it's just a tasteless mush in our mouth. Yeah. And we really want to swallow it so that we can have the next delicious mouthful. So it's become, you know, the same thing. It's become gone from pleasant to neutral to unpleasant. Yeah, the same mouthful of food. It hasn't, nothing's been added or taken away. It's just the process of the chewing has changed. Or, you know, even other things, you know, beautiful view. You know? One moment can be, you know, very pleasant and, and then after a while we get used to it and it just becomes neutral. We don't see it anymore. So just noticing that changeability. So these are just, it has incredible depth, this practice. I'm just giving a few, a few kind of angles to it, a few possibilities um, of things that it can show us. And remembering that we're using it um, not as a, as a way of distancing ourselves from our experience. It's not a, a method of distancing or disconnecting from, but it's a, a kind of a, a way of looking or an angle, a perspective on experience that uh, we don't usually apply. And so it just gives us a different handhold, a different approach to, to anything in our experience. So let's do some practice together. So feel what would be a, a supportive posture for you. And settling into your posture, into the body, bringing the awareness into the body.
So if it's helpful, using the contact areas of body and seat, body and ground. It's a way of settling and rooting the awareness in the body. And then gently expanding the awareness through the whole body. Letting it flow through the body, back of the body, front of the body. Down into the legs, feet. Arms and hands. the neck and head. Feel the awareness gently permeating the whole body. And if possible, just stretching it out a little bit more beyond the body. If the whole body is sitting relying in a bubble of awareness. Feeling for yourself what would be appropriate to use as the primary practice for this period. Staying with a wide body awareness. Using the breath, the metta. Whatever way feels appropriate and helpful. And settling into this practice, that will be our primary practice.
collecting, calming the mind, the body, the being. We're just going to add something into the practice. If you, whenever you notice yourself distracted or wandering from your primary practice, just checking in at that point what the feeling tone is. of that thought or sensation. Whatever it is that your attention has wandered to. Just checking with the feeling tone. Not going into long stories about it, but just noticing what it is, whether it's pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral, not quite one or the other. And then coming back. your primary practice, metaphrases, breath, body awareness.
can also break it down a little bit more. Either just now in this moment or the next time you find the attention wandering. Checking in, what's the feeling tone in the body? What's the feeling tone of this breath that's happening right now? Maybe noticing that it might be different with different parts of the breath, different sensations of the breath. Is there any feeling tone in the mind? If the mind feels contracted, what's the feeling tone of that? If it feels spacious, what's the feeling tone of that? If it feels confused, the feeling tone, just dropping in the question, not trying too hard to figure it out, just cultivating this sensitivity. the mind and the body feel relatively calm and gathered, steady, can open out. To the Vedana of different 
experiences that come into the field of awareness. A sound, a sensation, a thought, You might notice the pull or the push. Just staying with that basic, pleasant, unpleasant, neutral. If it gets too sticky or confusing, coming back to your primary practice.
so wherever you are now. What is the feeling tone in the body, in the mind? Noticing and resting back. Into your primary practice. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.